Throughout those verses, we come to understand that we too will have a hope in the future, that our glory is to come. And keeping our eye on that future gives us that encouragement and support as we are suffering in this life. So in the while in the middle, while we are in the middle of all the suffering, we eagerly wait for the coming fulfillment of the glory that God has promised to us. That truth is a bulwark. It's like a foundation for us in several ways. And when we consider the glory that will be ours, it encourages us in this life and stabilizes us so we can continue to hope. God uses the trials and the sufferings to work in us to bring about this hope. And really that theme that God uses trials and the sufferings to bring about hope is mentioned several times throughout the Bible in scripture. And it's mentioned in Romans. In fact, if you go back to chapter five, chapter five and verses three and four, and we've looked at this before, but I want to kind of, Tie this back to us again because it's so clear here what Paul is talking about when he talks about tribulations and suffering. He says there in chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations knowing, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope. There's our word hope that, uh, again, is tied back into Romans chapter 8, where we've got this reality that when we are going through trials, <clears throat> the trials are a giving us a direction in our hearts and minds that, so that God is working in us this perseverance and this patience and proven character and hope. And Paul in chapter 8 brings out more of that to help us understand that that it's these sufferings, these trials that we're going through, uh, we can focus on and look forward to what God is going to give us in glory and have that hope that we need. So Paul, now Paul moves on to another truth that is also to encourage us as believers. Just as there is encouragement in looking forward to the realization of our full adoption and the glory that we will have, also in the same way. So here is another truth to encourage us in the middle of our suffering. Because here is the hard reality. We are not glorified yet. That day is coming. Right now, we are going through suffering. And while we wait, we're going through that suffering, and the suffering is not insignificant. We feel real pain and real heartache and real disappointment. We are beat down again and again in this life because we are still in the middle of a sin-cursed world. And that's the the items that we looked at this morning, where we've got the creation groaning, and we are groaning. And there is this constant reality that we're in the midst of sin and sinfulness. And that has that 
that effect on us again and again. The difficulties and sufferings can come crashing down on us quickly, really without warning. And we need help in our suffering. And really here in these verses, you've got this. There's a second encouraging truth for suffering believers. And that is this. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And there's basically true two simple truths in these verses. First one, we need help because we are weak. And the second one, the mighty spirit of God helps us when we are weak. We need help because we're weak and the mighty, the mighty spirit of God helps us when we are weak. So with that in mind, let's go back and read these verses again and put them in perspective. It says again, in the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And here again, the first point is this. We need help because we are weak. You know, we become keenly aware of the weaknesses we have when we go through sufferings. When the trials come, we realize that we are weak in ourselves and our power compared to the enemies around us is so insufficient. We are physically weak. We are mentally weak, emotionally weak, spiritually weak, bodily weak. And we could go on and on about who we are and even our weaknesses. But there is one weakness that Paul emphasizes here that we need more than others. And we're going to look at that weakness. But let me ask you a question first. What do you do when you are suffering? Something happens and you're suffering. When, and let me, let me um, make it a little more obvious of what I'm trying to get at here. Imagine this. <clears throat> Imagine you're driving down the road at 45 miles an hour. And suddenly you look up from the wheel and there in front of you is another driver, another vehicle going the same speed as you, and you are about to hit them head on. Okay, freeze right there. You haven't crashed yet. You're about right there. What do you do? Well, someone here might be saying, I'm screaming at that moment. It's, uh, it's uh, something tra tragic is about to happen. Well, if you could say something in that moment, what would you say? Well, what a believer is going to say is something like this, help. And that directive help is going to be not to the person, the person that you're driving with or someone, you know, that's outside the car. It is help directed upward or, oh God, help or father or something like, Lord, help me. 
in that moment. So the illustration is a bit dramatic, but it helps us understand the point. Our sufferings drive us to our knees. We are people that go to our knees when we are suffering. And many times it is the difficulties and trials that motivate us to pray more. And that's a good thing. But it can also be something that can be troubling, actually. When we pray, we are, when we're in trouble, we pray. And we all have times of suffering in this life. And really, when we stop to think about it, there, there are trials and tragedies all around us. And, you know, I could look around in this room, and even in this room, we could all give testimony of those things in our lives that are difficult and where we're suffering. If we would think about that in this room, we know there's heartache, there's hurt, there's depression, even these things beyond description. And if we expand our thoughts, we could go around the country to places where people are hurting and suffering because they are believers, or we go to countries where believers are in prison because they are believers. And what is the question that almost always comes into our minds in those trials and even tragedies that come up? It's a question. There's a universal question that that it comes up. What is that question? Anyone know what that question is? Why? Why is this going on? And that question reveals something about us. The question reveals that we do not know what is going on or why it's going on or the whole situation. It gets confusing. We don't know the reasons. And for that, we don't know how to pray as we should. If we knew exactly what to pray, we could pray just the right words and God would hear and he would answer. There would be a strengthening of the heart. But the reality is we do not know. Let's look at our text. In the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness for We do not know how to pray as we should. There's our weakness. The specific weakness that that Paul is bringing out here is this. We don't know how to pray. That's our weakness. And the knowledge or not having a knowledge is a weakness. We should pray. Believers do pray when we suffer or we get into difficulties. But there is difficulties that are beyond us, but we don't know how to pray. And this is the help that God gives to those who are in Christ. He gives this help to them. And, And let me just, 
explain a little bit more about our weakness that we do not know. For instance, we're in various situations. Here we are. We, 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 do we pray for healing or should we not pray for healing and pray that God would just strengthen us in it? Do we pray for money or do we just adjust ourselves and learn contentment? Do we pray to, uh, for instance, if you're imprisoned for the gospel's sake, to get out of jail? Or do we expect to stay in to minister to others? A real situation for people around the world, believers around the world. Do we pray for a new car or fix the old one? Do we listen to advice from one person or follow opposite advice from another person in regards to the situation we're in? The bottom line is this. Do we pray for the relief of the suffering or do we pray for the strength to walk through that suffering? And there are these things. When faced with these situations, we can get to the point of groaning, of walking through these situations, and there is suffering, and we're groaning in them. What are we to do? Well, we have the encouragement to hope in the future glory. And Paul comes along and says, yes, There is more that God has for his people and be encouraged because the mighty spirit of God helps us when we are weak. The mighty spirit of God helps us when we are weak. So let's turn our attention then to this help that the spirit gives. These verses point to point us to the Holy Spirit when we're going through those trials and suffering, sufferings. Uh, in these verses, you look through and you just see the number of times that it mentions the Spirit, right? You have that in verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit. Uh, after that phrase you've got here, but the Spirit himself. There it's emphasized. The Spirit, this Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself is there for us. And then in verse 27, you've got to mention again, where you've got he who searches the hearts know what the mind of the spirit is, because he and that he is referring to the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This emphasis a highest or highlights a relationship that we have with the spirit of God, those that are in Christ. Have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and that relationship with Him goes deep. There is a unity with Him. You also have the uh, reality that uh, that we ha- that Jesus, when He was with His disciples, mentioned to them that they should anticipate and look forward to the coming of the Spirit. We've got that. <clears throat> In the upper room where Jesus was with his disciples, he told his disciples to anticipate the coming of the Holy Spirit, and he promised that he would send them to him. In fact, let's turn over to that passage in John chapter 14. Here in John 14, he's with the disciples, and you want to remember that he is giving them the news that as 
as he is approaching the time of the cross, the disciples don't quite understand what's going on. They don't fully anticipate or, or grasp their minds the realities of the, uh, the, the, well, you might say the tragedy that is about to unfold, that Christ is going to go, he's going to be taken and then beaten and then crucified. And they're all going to be scattered. And he is, he's in the upper room, he's speaking to them, and he's giving them comfort. And the comfort that he gives to them in John 14, starting in verse 16, he says this. And notice how the Holy Spirit, how he mentions the Holy Spirit. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. When Jesus told, gave him the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's saying there is going to come one who is going to be a helper. And this helper is going to be with you and he's going to be in you. There is this relationship that he is going to have with his people. It's even somewhat of a mysterious relationship that is going to be an intimate, close uh, relationship. Down in verse 26, <clears throat> Jesus continues, and we're highlighting here the times where he mentions the Holy Spirit. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. Again, he calls him the helper. And then if you turn a page or two to to chapter 16, verse 7, he says this, But I tell you the truth, 16 verse 7, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And there's this anticipation that Christ builds in that discourse with his disciples that there is going to be one to come. The Holy Spirit, who is going to be in you, he is going to be a helper, and he is going to strengthen, and it's going to even be better than Christ being with his disciples. And you've got that <clears throat> here. Christ said he would send his spirit, and even be- then, uh, and it's going to be better than even Christ staying with his people. So how does he help us? Going back to Romans chapter 8, back to the verses we're looking at here, how is it that he is going to help us? If you look at verse 26, it says this, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He is going to help us with intercession too deep for words. Now, we know that Jesus is also an interceder for us. He intercedes for us. In Hebrews, uh, in fact, if you look over in verse 34, you've got there a statement about 
Um, Christ says, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. We've got Christ interceding for us. In Hebrews chapter 7, it says there in verse 24, but he, on the other hand, he's talking about Christ, because he abides forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Hence also he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. There, Christ is interceding for his people. And then 1 John 2, verse 1, My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You you have here the emphasis, and normally we think of our intercessor as being Jesus Christ. But in, in uh, Romans 8, here in these verses, you've got the Holy Spirit interceding as well for us. And there's a little bit of an ambiguity in this verse about this intercession. In that, we could say that the interceding, does it originate with us? Or could the intercession originate with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's what we do know. The verse says, we are praying. We don't know exactly how to pray, but we are praying. There is a groaning inside of us. And the Spirit knows our groanings and groans with us and makes those prayers his prayers. Or, as he is with us and knows our sufferings, he is groaning and interceding with his own words on our behalf. The commentaries I've read just are split about either way. But either way, we know this. The mighty, all-knowing, comforting Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf in your specific situation. He knows exactly what needs to be prayed. And as he prays, he prays to this extent. He is groaning. He is groaning on our behalf. He groans, and the groaning is so deep, it cannot be described with words. So have you ever been in that kind of a situation? Where you are... You're in a situation, something has happened, you're suffering in the middle, and you get on your your knees, and you have no idea what to pray, and you just groan. The Spirit of God knows you in that situation, and He is interceding on your behalf, with groanings, your groanings, his groanings. It's like they're one. It's like you've, this, this working is going on, this, this heartache is happening, and you are groaning, and the, the scripture says here, the Spirit of God is groaning, and it's like it's, it's too deep for even words, but there is 
communication going on between the Spirit of God and God himself on our behalf. And if you look at verse 27, Paul goes on and mentions it this way. God the Father is mentioned in that first phrase where it says, and he who searches the hearts. That is a beautiful way of describing God the Father. He knows what goes on in hearts. He who searches the heart. He is the heart searcher. And if he can search the heart, he can know the heart. You know, uh, and and this this is a reality for us as well, in that people have different reactions to that phrase, he who searches the heart. You know, you can have a reaction that if you're under God's wrath and are looking at God and don't have a relationship with him, there is fear or a terrifying reality about that. But if you are not condemned and you are in Christ, the reality that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, God knows what is going on in your heart. And he is working with the Spirit of God and God knows the heart of the Spirit of God. He is helping those who are weak and are confused. Do you realize what a privilege it is to be in Christ? We have, for those of us who are in Christ, we have all the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-sufficient, eternal, good, and merciful God knowing exactly what is going on. And he is bending low. It's like he's bending low to hear us. And it's not just us who he hears. He is in direct communication with his Holy Spirit. And in verse 27, it says that he knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So as we, as we understand this reality up to this point, we are getting into the mystery of the Trinity and the workings of God within God. And this is happening on our behalf. God the Father knows God the Spirit. And God the Spirit is in us and united with us and knowing our weakness. He knows it, and he's groaning and our groanings. And as he enters into the groanings with us, the Spirit of God is doing this on our behalf. He intercedes on our behalf to God the Father. And the Father knows all that the Spirit knows and all that the, uh, and, and the Spirit intercedes for us. These prayers are divine articulations by the Holy Spirit to the Father. And it's like, I'm trying to describe this oneness that's going on with God, his spirit, himself, and us. And it is truly uh, comforting to us to understand these things. And to understand this a little better, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 You've got this statement 
again, that the Spirit knows exactly the thoughts of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11 says this. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. And there again, it's just to highlight the fact that the spirit knows the father and the father knows the spirit. And there is this relationship with them. And so if there is any request or any intercession going on, we want the spirit of God who knows all things to make it on our behalf. And we want the father to know the spirit and what he is praying. So the father knows exactly the thoughts of the spirit. We have the assurance that all things that the spirit who is in us knows the father knows and will grant the request of the Spirit. So that brings us to this point. What is the Spirit praying on our behalf? He's interceding. He's groaning. What is he praying on our behalf? Look at the end of verse 27. It says this, Because he, that is the Spirit, intercedes for the saints according to, to the will of God. He is praying in the will of God. Let me ask you this. What would it be to pray a perfect prayer that is exactly in the center of God's will? Do you think that prayer request would be answered? What if you knew, let's say, what if you knew every time that I prayed for you, You knew that whatever I prayed and every single word I prayed would be exactly God's will for you. Would you send me your prayer request? Do you realize that is what we have in the spirit? The spirit knows this. Uh, This is greater than any other help that's out there. Every time the Spirit prays to the Father on our behalf, God answers that prayer request exactly as it was prayed. Not once has the Spirit ever prayed for anyone on anyone's behalf that was not answered in perfect union with God's will. This is assurance that cannot be matched by any other help out there. You are suffering. You are going through those trials and you need someone to help you, to pray for you. You get on your knees and the spirit is praying on your behalf. There is that intercession. No money, no counseling, no self-help program, no distraction, no government program, no newsfeed, no entertainment, no medication, no music. Nothing can take the place of the Spirit interceding on your behalf. Nothing can take the place of that. So here's our admonition. 
pray. Pour out your heart to the Lord and in your mind approach the Father. And you say, you might say, I don't know what to say. The situation, I don't know what to pray. It's all so confusing and a muddle. It's exactly where you should be. If you are in that place, you're the exact person here that can get help. Go, go to God, go even without words, and groan before him. The reality is this. The Spirit of God will hear your cry and will intercede with groanings only the Father can understand. What greater help could we get anywhere on earth? There is none. And realize this, because God is everywhere all the time, we can be anywhere, in any place, in any culture, in any circumstance. Whatever it is, whatever situation's out there, we can be encouraged that while we are in our suffering, the Holy Spirit is praying and interceding on our behalf. So when Paul says, we suffer with him, when we suffer with him, do we find any help in the midst of our suffering? Yes. We find it. We who are in Christ, as we looked at this morning, we who are in Christ hope for greater glory to come after our suffering. And you also have this. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and will pray for us. The the mighty Spirit of God will pray for us and intercede on in our behalf. So while we go through these times, while we have these things, the Lord gives us these assurances, and there's more to come. You read through this chapter, you look at the next verse, look what it says, and we know. What do we know? God causes all things to work together for good. That's another message. And these things are given to us as encouragement and in our assurance of being in Christ and all that we have in him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for all that you have given to us. And Father, I pray that we would, as we go through this life, come before you and remember the Spirit of God, this Holy Spirit that you have sent, that you have given to us, intercedes on our behalf in this deep way. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts, work in these here that are looking at these verses and are thinking about this. Help us, Lord, to be thinking through these things when we are going through trials and sufferings. For you are good. May we glorify you and praise your name all our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.